Good, 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 good. All right. Let's get into the, into the Word today. What do you say? Yeah. Uh, if you have a Bible or Bible app, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For all those who are new with us here today, maybe you're new to just life church, maybe you're an experienced Christian, uh, maybe you're totally new to church, period, new to the Bible. Uh, you, are, you should feel right at home here because this was new to every single one of us at one point. And uh, wherever you are in that journey, we want to help you go further. In my previous series that we ended last week, uh, the series was called A Whole New World. I was emphasizing and teaching about the spiritual change that takes place when a person is made new, when they're born again, when they come into Christ. And that revelation is the beginning and, and really one of the most important truths for any Christian to understand. Uh, you have to begin at the beginning. And uh, I mean, if we don't get that part right, everything else, the rest of our endeavors are going to be very, very difficult. Did you, I don't know if everyone realizes that's the case, but when you understand the spiritual component of what God instantly does at the point of salvation, it is the foundation for everything else to work. Skipping over that revelation, to say it a different way, makes everything more difficult. Everything's harder. And so we always want to you know, get the proper order, proper priority. Uh, but but what, what, what comes after that, after that understanding, is is the knowledge that God works from the inside out. He begins within, but then he wants to take what he has deposited in the spirit of every believer and get that out into the seen realm. Get it out into our lives. Get it into our jobs and homes and into our thinking or into our mouth, into our behavior. But it starts within. And then it works outward from there. Uh, when you got saved, salvation did not, be, uh, did not end. Yes, it, yes, it's an instantaneous experience, but it was the beginning of a new life, not the end of a new life. Not got saved, now I'll go back to living the life I used to live. Well, that would be capital dumb, right? We're supposed to say, oh, good, now... I can live the life God intended for me. I can live on a new level. It's kind of like when people graduate from various levels of schooling, they call that the commencement ceremonies, right? And it's, yes, it's a signal of something is over, but it's the, the very word means something new is beginning, all right? When someone gets saved, now you've just begun. You know, for the person who gets saved and they don't, continue in the Lord. They don't continue in church. They don't get water baptized. They don't do it. It's like, you must, must have missed the point here. I'm not sure you totally got this. Right? I mean, it's one of the reasons why when people get saved, and we see many every week, but one of the first things we tell them is, is of course, your sins are forgiven. You're brand new in Christ. But the next, next thing you need to do is get baptized in water and explain the significance of that. Because if someone skips that step, it's like, okay, you're not really taking this serious, are you? You know, it's like Christians, some of you, this might be the case, and I don't know who you are, so just look at me. 
but you've been a believer for like a, many years and you haven't even been water baptized yet. What are you thinking? <laughs> I know, you're not thinking. That's <laughs> you probably don't realize the significance or the, 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 the need for it, but it's huge. It really is, is huge. When you got saved, yeah, you're going to heaven, but that's the beginning. God wants to manifest himself in your life every single day of every, every year of your life. And, and days get big, get better and better and better as you go. But you have to do something with what he gave you. We have to act on his word. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, uh, uh, there are many practical skills that we need to learn or this life will still eat our lunch. Even though you end up in heaven, you might end up there early, or you might end up there going, glad that's over. You know, but it's not supposed to be that way. This life, joy doesn't begin in heaven. Maybe it's in a greater dimension and measure than ever before, but peace and joy and happiness and the desire to live and, 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 and to live a long life, those are all components of being saved that God wants to work out of us and work, work, work through our lives. So when I say there are practical skills to learn, they're spiritually practical. But you can be saved, you can love God, and still have a bad marriage. You can, you can truly be born again and, and have really bad financial skills, both in the spending and in the giving and in the receiving, in faith for your prayers to be answered. There's all kinds of things that, that need to be learned and exercised in order to make this life amazing, make it what God intended for it to be. All right? You could be genuinely, truly saved and be horrible with people. Yet if you died today, you'd go to heaven, but no one wants to be around you, <laughs> right? Because you just, you haven't learned some of that. That part of God's life is stuck in you, and it needs to be worked out of you. Yes. I'll show you that scripture in a moment. But um, this, is, this is true for all of us. We we have to learn how to be a good gospel witness, and we have to learn how, how to let God affect us on the job and in our, in our attitudes and in our, our work ethic and in so many different areas. And if we skip over that, we're missing it, okay? And so, yeah, when I was saved, it was a whole new world, but can I tell you, there's another side of the coin. It doesn't, it, it doesn't displace the first side, the most important thing, but it is a necessary component to this life. Many times people skip over the first part, meaning that previous series. They skip over that revelation and they just approach life from a, a self-help perspective. Okay, I just need to work on my skills, work on my life in this area. And how many know that's missing it uh, just as much, if not more, as the other thing I was saying? All right. It, it, no, it, it, we need the life of God. We need the power of God. We need the wisdom of God, not just good discipline. Okay? That, that's where someone would say, isn't it the same? It's totally not the same. In fact, if I were to recommend one thing, if I only could say one thing, I can't give you any marriage advice, financial advice, relationship advice, parenting advice. I can't give you anything in, in any of those realms. 
But I can only give you one thing. I would say, stay full of God. I mean, get filled with the Spirit and be refilled every day. If I could give you no other advice, I'd say do that and you'd be better off than skipping that and just having a list of things to do. Does that make sense? So, so there is a priority. There is an order in which the things of God work and how He works to make our lives amazing. And that's always going to be first. However, I don't have to just choose that. I can say I want to be full of God. I'm first filled with the life of God and have a revelation of what that means and stay full of the Spirit of God. And now I learn how to live that, how to practically walk that out every day of my life. This is what is necessary. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 I want you to notice with me in verse 34, 1 Corinthians 15, 34, it reads, Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. I want you to notice the order of these two statements, two very important statements. First, awake to righteousness. Second, do not sin. First, awake to righteousness. That means get saved, have a revelation of that truth, know that you're right with God, know that you're accepted, you've been justified, been made right with Him by the blood of Jesus. Awake to that reality, that truth. And then second, stop doing dumb things. Stop acting inconsistent with that righteousness. Is it, is it correct to tell a Christian, a saved person, to stop sinning? Yeah, right there. <laughs> if you're uncertain, it's like, I don't want to hear that. Yes, you do. I tell you, anyone who's worked with people very long from a pastoral perspective or leadership perspective, and you've worked with people helping them in their daily life overcome the various challenges that they face, everyone has at some point or another wanted to look, or maybe they did just actually do this, just look people in the eye and say, would you just stop doing that? Instead of saying, uh, you need to pray more, you need to, have, you need to do that, you need to, you need to quit some things. Because you can do a bunch of stuff right, and you can have faith in God, but if you keep doing X, this thing that's hurting your body, hurting your mind, hurting your relationship, you keep doing this, that's going to hurt your spouse or your children, or you keep messing up your finance. Will you, will you just stop? Does anybody ever need that message? Yes. I, I, think some, I think we all need that message sometimes. Just stop doing that. And it's biblical to tell people that. It's merciful. It's gracious. It's kind. To look people in the eye, it's not a condemning word. It's not you're a horrible person. <laughs> it's not you, have, you don't have anything good going for you. No, you have a lot good for it going on in your life. You, you have a relationship with God. You're saved from an eternity in hell. Praise God. But this one thing here, or maybe two or three, I don't know. This, this is messing your life up. And you have got to stop doing that. And sometimes that's the best advice we could have. And it's scriptural. It's New Testament. Okay, now, now look over at another place. Short right turn to Philippians. And I want you to find Philippians chapter 2.
This is a great passage here. This has stirred me up for many years. It's probably one of yours. If it's not highlighted yet, this would be a good day. Philippians chapter 2. Notice with me in verse 12. It reads, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Everybody say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, is there a difference between saying work out and work for? I mean, no, night and day difference. Paul is not writing to these believers and saying, you guys need to work for your salvation. (laughs) I mean, no, that's the opposite of the Bible. Any group, any religious group that tells you to work for your salvation is not of God. That's the opposite of the Scripture, direct opposite. He's not telling them, you guys better work for this or you might not be saved. No, he's telling them, you guys are saved. You have salvation. It is your present tense possession, but you need to do something with it. And what's that? Work it out. Which direction? Out. In other words, salvation is in. It's a spiritual uh, possession. It's a spiritual uh, position, but it must be worked outward. I've got to get it out of my spirit. I don't mean it leaves there, but it originates there. And I've got to get it, I've got to get it into my home. I've got to get it in the kitchen. I've got to get it in my office. I've got to get it in my car. Right? I've got to get it in the lobby, in the parking lot, get it at the restaurant. Right? Get it in my mind, get it in my body. Salvation is a wonderful, amazing thing that must be worked out. And that is where effort is involved. What are you working to do? I'm working to get what I already have to be my daily experience. I'm working to take what I already have to be what others can see. Others can visibly watch in my life. Listen to this from uh, The New Living. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Wow, work hard to show it. Yeah. Look at, uh, uh, let's see, verse 13 then. Verse 13, New King James. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Okay, this is, this is a great passage, all right? So God is presently working in us, yeah? So his work didn't stop when we got saved. After we're in the kingdom, God's done. No, he w- just like he worked to bring us to a point of salvation, and many of us can testify of this, right? No one convinced you to be saved. No one twisted your arm. You didn't do it for, a, for some lady, didn't do it for some dude, right? You did it because you made the choice. You decided. You wanted God in your life. What was that? That was called God working in you. Yes. All right? Some of you here today, while I'm speaking, I can't save you, but you will know before you leave, God is pulling on me. He is moving me to a point of salvation. Yeah? yeah? And then, then, that, then that'll happen. He works in you. But then after you're saved... He continues to work in you. 
Okay? Not just from the outside. Stop looking for God and look for him. And he will work in you. And what was, what's his purpose in doing this? So that we will want and act. He works causing us to want to do the right thing. Okay, some of you, uh, you could experience this. You have testimony of this already because you got saved and then there was a point in your life where you walked away. You drifted. You put God in the back seat. You got distracted by the things of this world and the cares of this life and you stopped going to church. You stopped praying. You just, your spiritual life went down the tubes. But yet here you are. What happened? The whole time you were doing all that funky stuff, God was working in you. And he was saying, come back, come on, come on, come, come back, come back, come back. I love you still. You're, still. you're still right with me. You're still in my family. You're still uh, uh, so, someone that I have a plan for. He was working in you until one day you said, yeah, I need to get things back. <laughs> that wasn't your idea. <laughs> that was him working in you. He has been, right? And he got you back to this place. And then others, you may be in that position right now where the very fact that you're here today, you think, ah, I don't know, what am I even doing here? That's because God is at work in you. And he wants to restore what you've lost and bring you back to a position where you're fired up for God, where you have a purpose for living. You have a hope for tomorrow. Come on, you want to live long and live strong and do the will of God in your generation. Where does that come from? God is working in us. Listen to this from uh, the expanded Bible, because uh, God is working in you to help you want to do and be able to do both to will and desire and to work what pleases him. Everybody say it out loud. He gives me the want to to. and the ability to do. Listen to the new living. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So that's presently happening in all of us. Because God's doing that. Now, if you want to uh, expedite this process and stir it up even more, use your faith in in regards to these verses. What do I mean by that? I, I mean, sometimes believers will be distracted with the cares of this world They will want, they have set their desires on other things, but they know they shouldn't. They get around the Lord and it's like, yeah, I want to be, I want to walk closer with him. It's like they get around things of God or they see someone else and hear their testimonies and see the glow in their face and the fire in their belly. And it's like, man, I want that. I used to have that or maybe you never have, but I want to be like that. So that's already God working in you to even think that way. But you can exercise faith in this by saying, okay, Lord, I see in your word right here, you work in me. So I'm believing you right now that you're at work in me. You're fixing my desires. I want to want certain things more than I want them now. I want to want, I want to, want to worship you and to, to, to be in the word and to be used of you and to serve and give and be a part of your kingdom and have a purpose in this life instead of the futility that the world around us is expending all their energy on. I don't want to do that. I want to do this, but I want, I want to want it more. <laughs> I want to want it to where it'll make me get up early if I need to, or stay up late if I need to. I want to want it to where it moves me to action. 
So you get in faith and say, thank you, Lord. I believe you're giving me the desire. I'm asking you. I'm trusting you. I, I believe you're giving me the desire. Not only that, the power to do right. The power to carry it out. And again, real, genuine Christians have a true, genuine conversion and experience with God, but struggling with certain sins and addictions and, and bad habits. And they say, ah, I do this. I don't want to do it. I wish I wouldn't do it, but I do it. And then I get forgiven of it and I keep struggling. Well, here's, the, here's your verse. He's giving me the desire to do different, to do his will. And he's given me the power to do it. So, Lord, I thank you. You're giving me the ability to overcome this, this behavior, this lack, this attitude. Huh? Maybe you've had bad training in your life, meaning through example of upbringing and different role models that showed you how to have a bad marriage or showed you how to treat kids in the wrong way or different elements like that. And you can't get it out of your behavior. It doesn't seem. I say you can get it out. I say the Lord working in you will help you set aside your pride and become the real man that you need to be, guys. Become the real woman of God that you need to be, ladies. That God will give you the ability to do that. Come on now. Say it out loud again. He's working in me. Giving me the desire and the ability to do the right thing. Yeah. So doesn't it, does that even matter as long as we're saved? No, it does matter in so many ways that we do this. The goal of the Christian is not just to be forgiven of sin, but watch, to actually stop sinning. Isn't that a novel concept? Well, we just keep getting forgiven and forgiven and forgiven. Well, thank God for his mercy that's new every morning. But on some level, don't you want to like not do that? On some level, don't you want to stop getting forgiven of the same thing? Yeah, and that's just the power of the gospel of the resurrected Christ in us is not just that he washes our sins away, but he gives us victory over those behaviors. So we actually change and do life different. Praise God. And so, you know, we, we prioritize positional righteousness, but we also value practical righteousness. And this is what I want you to see is the other side of the coin. I'm made right by faith in God and His His amazing grace. But then walking that out is also something His grace empowers me to do. And He wants me to do, and we want to do this. So uh, we're not only saved for what happens after physical death, but we are saved for what happens here in this earthly life. We're saved so that God's plan can be realized and known and experienced by each and every one of us. I I realize that some of this language, uh, it can be dismissed by some individuals. They've been taught that if you talk about how people act, how they live, and how they conduct themselves, that that's legalism or that's performance-based Christianity. And uh, listen, that's not, that's not true if you read the words of Jesus and the words of the apostles. Not only did they talk about salvation by grace through faith, they also com- uh, repeatedly emphasized with people how that is to be lived out, how they should conduct themselves. And it was wh- for whose benefit? For the person's benefit. I mean, if I'm told 
not to do something or to do something that I'm not doing, who's, who's, who's to benefit from that? I am, if I will put it into motion, because these things really can, can you know, harm us. Okay, you, you can know you're saved, walk with God, but how many know if you're a liar, you're going to ruin all your relationships? No one will trust you. That's very practical. If you kind of shade the truth and don't tell, you're, you, you, kind of, you lie now and then, and you're going to mess up your, your relationship. You're going to mess up so many areas of your life. Even if you say, I'm free by the blood of Jesus. I am washed and cleansed and I've been made right in his sight. You should say that, but your lying will still mess up your life. Everybody with me? It's the other side of the coin. So people with good doctrine sometimes, they got good foundational positional truth in Christ are still, you know, suffering so many areas of their life because of these practical things. Praise God. So, good works then are supposed to out, be an outflow of our new life in Christ. Instruction is still needed in this regard. Another way to say this is, I can be right with God in jail. <laughs> Completely forgiven of everything that put me there forgiven of all wrong. However, if I live right, I can stay out of jail. Which one do you want? Well, I want both. I want to be right with God. That's most important, but I don't just want to be right with God in jail. I don't want to just be proclaiming, you know, if I get saved after the fact, fine, but I'm already saved, so I have no excuse. I don't want to just be a testimony, God forgave me, you know. The, the bars. <laughs> I'm forgiven. Well, I, very good. You are. You're, you're more forgiven than some people who are free naturally. You're forgiven. But I'd rather be on the other side of those. That's why the practical righteousness is uh, essential. Right living will keep you out of jail. Think of all the, all the trouble Christians, real genuine Christians, get in into because of sin. I mean, you're going to heaven when you die, but certain sins in practice make your life horrible while you're here. And that's what we want to give attention to because I, I, I just emphasize again, Jesus' blood and his resurrection power not only abolishes our wrong standing with God, our separation from God, he gives us the power to live an overcoming life, to live victorious in this Life. Numbers 32 and verse 23 is a, a, a verse a lot of people know, or at least, at least know the phrase, the Lord had instructed Israel to do a particular thing. And then they were told in verse 23, but if you do not do so, then take note, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Say, so, well, I'm forgiven. Yeah, your sin will still find you. <laughs> in other words, these things have to be dealt with because they have real daily life consequences. The grace of God is not a free pass to do wrong, but rather the power to overcome and do what's right. If I were to uh, boil this down into three statements today or three reasons why we should give attention to our behavior, I'll, I'll do that, three things, and then we'll go further with this uh, next time, and you'll be excited. Say it out loud, I will. I will. There you go. 
Because <laughs> this is real practical, it's going to help everybody, okay? Uh, why should we give attention to our behavior? Number one is because sin dishonors God. The one who gave us life. For the true believer, the person who truly made Jesus their Lord and Savior, and they worship God, when we just throw caution to the wind and just say, I'm just going to live in the flesh and all this, that dishonors the one who gave us his very life. It dishonors the Lord. And uh, he granted us salvation as a free gift. How I many know he did that before we did anything? You got saved before you did anything for God, but before we, uh, but our holy life is a part of our worship. So we worship God not just in singing songs and raising our hands and, and coming to church or giving in the offering. We, we worship the Lord with our life. We ought to. What are you doing today? It's Tuesday. What are you doing today? Worshiping God. Oh, you guys have church today? Nope. No service, no gathering. Worshiping God with my life. So how are you doing that? Well, I was tempted to do this and I didn't. The Lord helped me to say no. I was, you know, I, I used to act this way and I would treat people a certain way, but today I was nice to them. I was sweet even though I was kind of frustrated or I was kind of angry or things weren't going real wrong, I, weren't going real well, and, and, and I treated people nice anyway. What did you just do? You just honored the Lord, the one who saved you. Amen. Secondly, is... Uh, is wrongdoing opens the door to the devil. Why should I give attention to my behavior? When I do the wrong thing, the enemy gains access to my life. Remember, there is a thief. Jesus said in John 10.10, who's come to steal, kill, and destroy. So there is a real devil out there that wants to clean your clock. Wants to ruin your health and ruin your money and ruin your relationships and ruin your joy and, and just ruin every area of your life. Does he say, well, that can't work. I'm saved. <laughs> I know some saved people. <laughs> and it's working. In other words, my eternal existence with God in heaven does not guarantee me victory in all areas of life here. I need to pay attention to what's happening. And I want to avoid wrong behavior, so I don't give place to the devil. Remember Ephesians 4 says, do, says, neither give place to the devil. That means if he has access to my life, if, he, if he's you know, harming me, I gave him place. So let's close that door. And then number three is sin ruins our witness. It ruins our witness. Once you get saved, it's not all about you anymore. The moment you give your life to Jesus, now you're a part of the evangelistic team. You are a part of the family. You're going to heaven. You're clear. You're in, the, you're in the clear. Everything's good. But everyone else is watching you now to see if you really mean it, to see if it's really true. And God wants to use you and me as a light in a very dark world. And the world seems to be getting darker and darker. But thank God the church is getting brighter and brighter but I need to pay attention to my behavior because the world will never judge me by positional truth. If I'm acting funky, I'm acting ungodly, but I say, hey, but I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You should get saved. <laughs> they don't care what, what my position in Christ is. They care how I treat them. 
They're watching me deal with the same thing that they deal with, and they want to see someone who will handle it differently. One of the, how many know one of the biggest turnoffs is the person who plays the Christian role in church? And then they act like a heathen when they leave. That's a turnoff to everybody. And isn't it, wasn't it Jesus who, who spoke the most, with the most harsh words against people who were hypocrites? The, and they were the religious people of his day. They were the most hypocritical people, and he had very strong words for them. So I don't want to be, oh, I love Jesus, happy day, God is good. And then as soon as I get out of here, as soon as I get out of here, you know, the other dude, the dead dude resurrects. And all of a sudden the old guy's back. Say, well, what does that mean? Well, it either means you're faking it in here, or it may be genuine in here, but you're just only living on one side of the coin and you need to get the God that you worship in here out there to affect your life. And we go back to, he's working in me to will and to do, giving me the desire to do it and the power to do it, the ability to do it. And we can develop our faith in him so our life is changed, not just when the atmosphere is great. I mean, it's a, it's a frustrating thing uh, when you see individuals that you have, I'm talking from my perspective, you've taught the word, you've given them the word of God, and they say amen, and they're like all with you, all for you. Everything's good, everything's great. Yes, that's so good, I love that, amen, praise God. And then when, some, when that hardship goes, takes place in their life, they throw everything out the window. All of a sudden, you act like you don't know anything. I don't want to see that. I don't want to be that first. Secondly, I don't want to see that. I want it to be so real in us that we not only believe it and act it and shout about it when we feel good and everything's going fine, but we believe it and shout about it and act like it's true in the midst of the storm. That's when the rubber meets the road. Everybody with me today? Come on. You've either done that or you know someone who has. And that's, we're not here to judge everybody, but we're here to take assessment of our own lives and say, am I living only on one side of the coin, or am I walking this thing out? See, if our, if our worship doesn't affect our walk, we're doing it wrong. And I want to have such a level of experience with God that He gets in me uh, and overflows out of me and affects my thinking and affects my behavior and affects my attitude and, of course, affects my, uh, my faith, my ability to believe. He affects every single area. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, if you believe it, then I'll see you next week. <laughs> so I, I don't want to do anything with that. Now, we're not actually done. Just F FYI, we got a couple more things. <laughs> oh, that was the dismissal. No. Let, let's, if you would, if you would, I want these things to settle. Let's, let's pray for a moment. Father, I thank you for what you're doing.